Okay. Got that, got that running. Title of our lesson this morning, I will spend and be spent for you. Paul has struggled with his relationship with the church at Corinth. And he's going to reveal in this section that he is a true servant of Christ and he is striving to serve them also. And Paul will challenge them to examine themselves. That's in the latter part of uh, what we read this morning in 2 Corinthians 13, about verse 5 there. And so we're going to take a look at services about people. It's not about profit. Services about giving, not receiving. And service is glad work, not burdensome work. So I'll put that first point up there. Service is about people, not profit. Um, I chose that section of scripture uh, for Carrie to read this morning. Certainly that's what we're going to kind of focus in on primarily into chapter 12. But as he was reading that, I was also thinking to myself. Now, if you're not familiar with 2 Corinthians, it's a very personal letter. And what's the relationship that is going on between Paul and these people at Corinth? He had established that church there. And so, but you read that. And I thought, you know, there may be some folks that are sitting here going, what in the world is that all about? (laughs) Because it sounds kind of like an argument. Have you ever walked up on two people and they're arguing and you go, What's going on? (laughs) That's kind of like what's taking place there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and into chapter 13 because Paul is saying what he has done for them, how they have kind of rejected what he has done. And so there's kind of this back and forth exchange. So we'll try to clarify that and what Paul is saying there and what he wants to do for them. I want to give you this this little illustration as we get ready to jump into this section of Scripture. A number of years ago, a number of years ago, sitting in an English composition class in college, lady professor, and I remember her saying, before you start to write, you've got to gain perspective. And me, wanting to just hurry up and get it done, whatever the subject matter might be that we were supposed to write about, I was just like, just, I'll just start writing. But it finally clicked. She's saying, you really got to get perspective if you're going to write about a particular subject. Another statement was made, if you only read one book in your life, you will not understand that book very well. You've got to have perspective. And so what she was saying was, whatever the subject matter might be, you need to gather information. You get need to understand the way other people look at it so that you can develop a perspective on this particular subject matter. So now let me say this. Life is the same way. Have you ever read in anybody and they say, I don't need anybody else. I can handle my life just fine all by myself, all on my own. I don't need anybody else to be telling me what to do. And I would just say, we all need a little perspective on how to deal with life. How do you see the world? How do you see others? How do you see yourself? 
Do you ever give consideration to the way God views all of this? And what's his perspective on it? So this section of scripture that we're going to take a look at is really about perspective. It's the way Paul looks at them. It's the way they look at him. And it's the way they are viewing others that are sort of bad-mouthing Paul. And so Paul's trying to get them to stop and to look at, look at me, what have I done? What have I taught you? Think about yourselves. Think about what they're doing. Try to gain some perspective on this whole issue, this relationship between me and you. So now, as we get into this, another sort of illustration on top of the one I just gave. In our society, one of the major symbols of achievement is a diploma, right? Or a certificate in some kind of skilled trade or whatever it might be. And so we take a look at that, we think that is a good thing because that person has been trained in, skilled in this particular discipline and therefore our society sort of grants them privileges and rights to operate in that perspective field. And whenever I see that diploma, whenever I see that certificate, then that's what that's telling me is like they've been trained and they can do this. So you go to the doctor and you look and there's a diploma hanging on the wall. Kind of like verification. Okay, maybe I'll listen to this person, right? If you decide you want to hire a lawyer, I want to see that diploma. I'm going to court and counting on him. I want to see that, right? If somebody comes out to work on the plumbing in your house, it's like, are you skilled in this? (laughs) I don't want to take medical advice from my plumber. (laughs) But at the same time, I don't want my doctor working on my car. (laughs) That's not their expertise. So a lot of times we want to know, have you been examined? Have you been skilled? Have you been trained in? And now, therefore, I will listen to you. That's kind of like what's going on here. Paul's saying, examine. But when you examine me, I want you to examine them. And while you're examining them and while you're examining me, I want you to examine yourself. So the church here at Corinth is really kind of put in a unique position because there's the Apostle Paul who established this church. He has taught them the gospel. He has taught them the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And then after he left, there's some others come along. and they're, nah, no, Don't listen to that, Paul. And Paul's going to defend himself in this letter. And Paul's saying, you want to examine me I want you to examine them too. So let's compare apples for apples. And let's decide who it is that's really a servant of Christ. And after you get done examining me and examining them, I want you to take and apply that same test to yourself. That's what he's saying in verse 5. So the church is in a unique position. And so now here's sort of the test, so to speak. So the Corinthians had questioned him whether or not he was an apostle. He said, I did the signs of an apostle, signs, miracles, and wonders while I was among you. 
But in this immediate context, there's really kind of one issue that this context is kind of focusing in on. And you want to know what it is? What's the debate here that's going on and what particular area are they talking about? You know what they're talking about? They're talking about money. (laughs) Because Paul had come there and he had preached the gospel to them and he said, I don't want your money. You don't want money? (laughs) I don't want your money. So what he says in verse 15 of this section, he says, I don't want your money. What I want is you. Now, the detractors had kind of seized on that. Well, maybe the reason why he doesn't want your money is because he's not really an apostle. And Paul said, you know better than that. I did the signs of an apostle while I was among you. He doesn't want your money. Maybe he doesn't think he's worthy or maybe he thinks he's too good to take your money. See, he's got another plan. Because it mentions here, did I deceive you? Did I take you by cunning? And so what they're saying is, Titus had come and Paul said, I sent somebody else along. And Paul was taking up a collection for the needy saints back in Jerusalem, right? We studied that. And so what the detractors are saying is, oh no, he doesn't want to just take pay from you. What he's doing is he's taking up this big collection telling you all the time that it's going back to Jerusalem for the needy saints. And he sent these other guys and they're taking up a collection. And you know what's going to happen once they get out of town? They're just going to divide it up. <laughs> and Paul's like, no. I'm telling you right now. I'm not really interested in your money. I'm interested in you. I'm going to read verse 14 through 18. This time it's from the New King James. Now for the third time I am ready to come to you. And I will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. You see what he's saying? Oh, that, there's another way for me to get your money. Paul's saying, it's sarcasm. No, I wasn't trying to get him. I urged Titus, sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? In other words, didn't Titus act just like me? He didn't come there trying to get your money. See what I'm saying? And so that's kind of what they're accusing him of. Now, when we first read this, and we say, well, here's Paul, and he's kind of having this dispute with these people about money, and that's a long time ago, and what does that have to do with me? Well, there's three things that are revealed here that applies directly to us as Christians. And this helps us know 
what Christ-like service is all about. And also, what is not Christ-like service. Now let me just back up for one second to my illustration a minute ago. When you see a diploma and you see there's a legitimate reason to trust this person, that's verification. So I can identify who's a real doctor and who's a quack. And so that's kind of what Paul's doing. Here's real Christian service. And then there's some others over there that are saying things about me. They're kind of quacks. Now, I mentioned life earlier also, right? And sometimes whenever we are asking questions about life, and we're asking questions, let's say, in regards to marriage, family, parenting, all these kinds of things. And if you ever ask somebody about relationships, if you ever ask somebody about marital advice, if you ever ask somebody about raising kids, have you ever noticed there's no shortage? <laughs> well, if that was my son, I'll tell you what I'd do. <laughs> and they've always got an opinion, right? Some of them are actually trained. Some of them have raised enough kids they know they got experience. And so there's reasonable <laughs> advice. And then sometimes there's just quacks, right? I remember one time talking to a young lady. She was having marital issues. And she said, I went to talk to so-and-so. Well, I know so-and-so. And the person she went to talk to had been divorced three times. I'm like, do you think that's... To me, it's kind of like there's marriage counseling and then there's quack. You know, that may not be who you want to ask for advice along these lines. So what Paul is saying is apply the test, examine these things, determine who's a real servant of Christ and who's not really a true servant of the Lord. In verse 14, he says, for this is the third time that I am ready to come to you and I will not be a burden. I don't want, I seek not what is yours, but you. And what's Paul saying whenever he says that? What he's saying is, I want a relationship with you. That's what he's saying. I don't want what's yours. I want you. I want a relationship with you. Between you and me. I want a relationship for us to be united in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Relying on each other. Helping one another. I want a relationship with you. That's what he's saying. A number of years ago, once again, talking with a young lady. was estranged from her father and I was talking to her about that and she was kind of wanting to mend that relationship what if I had told her reach out to him and the very first thing you say to him is I want some money <laughs> do you think that would help mend the relationship Probably what he would say is, you know, the only time I ever hear anything from you is when you want something. 
So that's not the way to go about that, is it? See, that's what Paul said. I don't want what's yours. Let's take money out of the equation. I don't want what's yours. I want you. Those false apostles, they were trying to take advantage of those brethren at Corinth. Try to gain position and influence over them for their own best interest. So now let me ask you. True Christian service, what does that look like when we try to make application of it? So since I'm preaching, I'll just start with preachers, okay? Let's say one of these days, there's a person that comes here and wants to preach here. You're thinking about hiring a new preacher. And he says to you, the very first thing we need to talk about is the money. That's what we need to talk about first. How do you feel about that? Well, what about the work? What about serving the Lord? What about building relationships with God, with one another? And then we talk about that. I talked to an older preacher a number of years ago, and he told me, he said, whenever I, and he moved around a couple times, he said, the very first thing we always talk about is the work. Do I fit in? Will you work well with me? Can we serve the Lord together? He goes, the last thing we talk about is the money. Can you see that? So let's get the priorities straight. If a person is preaching the gospel, they should want to build relationships. With a congregation, they should want to see relationships built within a congregation. You want to know why that is? So talk to somebody who's married. Okay? And I think most everybody has heard this phrase and would agree. Marriages take work. Is that right? Relationships take work. That should be the first priority. That's what Paul's saying. I don't want what's yours. The very first priority here is me and you. I want you. I want a relationship with you. So how does that apply? Well, I think it does apply with preachers. I think it applies with elders. I think it applies among us. How can I make this relationship work? How can I serve to make this relationship work? I want to read to you from Luke, the 22nd chapter. And there's a statement that Jesus makes here. 
One of the reasons why I think this statement is so amazing is not just the words. The words are amazing. (laughs) But it's not just the words that he has to say, but it's the timing. It's when he says them. So Luke, the 22nd chapter, I'm going to begin at verse 24. And then I'm going to read down through verse 30. Now there was also a dispute among them. He's talking about the disciples. As to which of them should be considered the greatest. That ought to make you kind of smile right there. So Jesus has been with these men, walked with them, trained them, taught them. They've watched him. This is right after he has instituted the Lord's Supper. Right? This is the blood of the new covenant. This is my body which is given for you. This is the same night in that upper room, John 13, where Jesus gets down and washes their feet. They've just wrapped that up. And what are they talking about? Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? It's like, did you not catch any of this? Verse 25. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you, On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him also be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? See what I'm saying is, so most of the time, if you're watching an event taking place, And there's somebody sitting there kind of at a prominent position at the table and people are bringing him things, serving him. Jesus said, who's greater? And you would think, well, the one that's sitting there eating and everybody else is catering to him, he must be the greater. That's the question Jesus is asking. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Watch it. Yet I am among you as one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones judging twelve tribes of Israel. My Father gave me a kingdom, and I'm among you. And what am I doing? I'm serving. I'm going to give this kingdom to you. What are you going to do? You're going to serve. Oh, there'll be a time when you will sit. But now, you serve. Can we see that? He had just finished instituting the Lord's Supper, telling them he's going to the cross. And they're having an argument over who's greatest in the kingdom. He says, you want to know who's greatest? The one who serves. That's the greatest. 
He's the greatest. At this point in time, with the disciples, you would have to say they are spiritually, they're spiritually immature. They don't understand. Now we've been blessed with a lot of little kids running around this congregation. And this is no kick against them because it's kids. And if you talk to a little kid and you ask them, who's the most important? They'll say, me. (laughs) Right? But as they grow older, and when they're two or three or four years old and they say that, we kind of laugh and chuckle. But if they're 30 or 40 years old, you say things like, you may need to grow up, right? Yeah. So Jesus is showing mature Christians look at things differently. What he is giving them in this context is perspective. You need to see this differently. You need to see me differently. You need to see yourselves differently. You need to see your position and where you fit in differently. So that's the church. That's the body of Christ. Members of it. And we serve one another. There's a real important word that is contained in this section of Scripture there in chapters 12 and 13. And that's over in verse 5 where he says that they are to examine themselves and then he says, prove yourselves. It's the same kind of language that Peter uses that when he says precious metals are proven by fire, it's like put it to the test. Prove. That's what Paul is saying. Look at me what I did for you. Look at me how I served you. Put it to the test. And then think about what these fellows are doing. And then when you're done with all that, then look at yourself. How are you serving? Galatians 6 and verse 4, Paul will say, test yourselves. Prove yourselves. In Romans 16, in about verse 10, when he talks about Apollos, he tells them to greet Apollos, who is approved in Christ. Something Apollos had done showed he was approved in Christ. Secondly, service is about giving, it's not about receiving. So in chapter four or chapter twelve, verse fourteen, and this time in the uh, latter part of that verse, I'll just read it. Second Corinthians chapter twelve and like fourteen B, latter part of that verse. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And so what Paul now does is he makes his own illustration. And he uses parenting as his illustration. He says the parents ought to lay up for the kids, not the kids 
laying up for the parents. And so Paul is kind of explaining, why haven't I taken this money from you? Because I think it's most important right now for you to see that I'm interested in you and not in that financial support. The relationship's the most important thing right now that you need to see. So, parents understand that illustration. I will spend and be spent. I'll use Ellis for an illustration. I don't know when Haley's birthday is, but I know Mother's Day will come in a while. And I highly doubt if Ellis will slip a Benjamin into Haley's Mother's Day card. (laughs) And I don't mean Benjamin, his little brother. (laughs) Because the parents pay for the kids. The kids don't pay for the parents. And so Paul's saying right now, you need to see what's going on. I'm spending. That's what he's saying. My time, my energy, my efforts, I'm spending. And I don't mind. I'll be spent for you. Talk to a mother, talk to a father. Raising kids, especially young ones. And sometimes at the end of the day, they will say, I am spent. (laughs) I've given it all. And that's what Paul said. I will gladly spend and be spent for you because I'm interested in you and I'm interested in the relationship and I'm interested in your soul. And you know what Paul's saying about his own life? What he's saying is he is like a resource. So if I pull out my wallet and I've got $50 in my wallet, that's my resource. I can use that however I want. I can buy lunch. I can buy clothes. I can what? I use it. It's mine. I use it. And what Paul is saying is, I belong to God. I'm His resource, and I will spend and be spent however He sees fit. Let me see that. That's the way He viewed Himself. That was His perspective. I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Take me, use me, Lord, however you see fit. Spend me till I'm spent serving you and serving others. So in the church, it's a good thing to think about spiritual family and to think about the spiritual mothers and the spiritual fathers. And so I would ask you, did you have a spiritual father? Did you have a spiritual mother? Did you have anyone in your life spiritually that would spend and be spent for you in the interest of you? To help you get along further in life and in serving Jesus Christ. So once again, Parents, and that's the illustration Paul uses, they lay up for the kids 
not the kids for the parents. And so you think about physically, I spend for my kids. I'll be spent for them. Then spiritually, Paul's saying, make the application. I'm doing that for you. Will you do it for somebody else? And so we think about a spiritual family. Who was our spiritual father, our spiritual mother, and who now can you be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to? Who is it that you know that needs you to spend your time, your energy, your efforts, your knowledge on them to help them grow and mature? To invest in their soul. You see that? Finally. Service is glad work. Now I use that term because that's kind of the term that Paul uses. Verse 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. You ever seen that happen? You ever heard a parent say to a kid, haven't I given you everything? <laughs> and you don't appreciate it. <laughs> That's kind of what Paul said. But be that as it may, I didn't burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. And once again, you know, they're saying bad things about him. Always trying to get your money another way. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Paul saying, you know how I gave for I didn't ask anything of you. Titus, when he came, he, he was just the same attitude as I had. We're, we want to do this for you. What we really want is just you to recognize that and how much we love you and care about you. So he says, I will do that Gladly, happy to spend and be spent. Now, what's that mean for us? Let's be honest. I'll try to be honest. There's days when I'm like, I ain't feeling it. Anyway, there's days I ain't feeling it. Well, that's kind of when that old me slips back in there. And so you lose perspective. And you'll say things like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And what am I, <laughs> what am I getting out of this? Right? And it's like, well, did you forget <laughs> what you're getting out of this? Did you forget what Jesus Christ did for you? Do you forget what Jesus said when they were arguing over who is the greatest? He said, I'm among you as one who serves. Not one who has being served right now. So where do I fit in? Same place Paul fits in. Right now, you're a servant. You're a servant for Jesus Christ. Because of what he did for you. 
And you're a servant to others because of what he did for you. And because somebody cared enough to teach you. And so, there was a movie out a few years ago. Maybe you recall. I never saw it. I just kind of remember the theme. And I remember the title. Pay It Forward. Remember hearing about that? And what the synopsis sort of was is like, you receive something and you really can't pay that person back. So what you do is you pay it forward. We can't pay back Jesus Christ, what He did for us. But we can show our gratitude for what He did for us by sharing that with and encouraging and trying to teach and build up spiritually someone else. Once again, Paul's illustration, raising kids, right? So right now, when kids are little, will you gladly spend for them? Tell you. And will you gladly be spent for them? Oh, yeah. But at some point in time, you anticipate hope for that they become mature and they recognize that. And then they take their place in society. Isn't that it? And we say they become a part of contributing to society. Not a burden upon society, but contributing to society. Right? And that's what Paul says happens in the church. You are spiritually obeyed, you are taught, and you become a part of. And then at some point, you contribute to the body. Colossians 1 and verse 27. This is the hope of glory. Christ in you. Hope of glory. Being like Him. So to kind of sum it up, Paul says true service is about people. It's not about profit. And true service is about giving. It's not about receiving. And true service is about glad work, not burdensome, but we do it gladly. So we think about who rendered service for us, and then we think about who needs you right now that you can think of. Because they're there and they need that help. So Paul says, I will spend and gladly be spent for you. For the glory of God and for the benefit of others. I will spend and be spent. Extend the invitation now to any and all that are here. If you've never rendered obedience unto the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus did spend and was spent for you as He went to the cross. If you need to make your life with Him right today and we can help, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.